hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast show. I am Edwin Adams, your host, the Leadership Alchemist. Just got a new shirt, so I can prove that I am the Leadership Alchemist. Thanks for joining me again today for another incredible interview with a transformational leader in my network. Uh, I want to introduce you guys to Dallas Matthew. Dallas, welcome to the show, man. Thanks. Great to be here. Dallas, we connected probably over five years ago. I've been following you and had the privilege of interviewing you on my previous podcast show that led to the publication of one of, well, my first book actually came from the content from incredible interviews like, like we had. And you were at a unique stage in, in your life, in your development. You had graduated top of your class at a military school. Uh, you were top in your class in fitness. And, and now, almost five, seven years later, you're in a completely different place. So who better to bring on a show talking about transformations, particularly in leadership, than you? You've been through a lot over the past few years. So I just want to dive right in, Dallas, with, with a conversation about transformation. And, and from those seven years since we really last, last connected, You've had some big transformations. Where would you like to go today with your transformation story? Well, I would say, you know, back in 2015, I was of a different type of transformation, more of the physical body. And, you know, my high school, um, I guess, motto of Fork Union was body, mind, and spirit. And that was not mine, but that's the school's motto. And so I really tried to you know, develop those areas as much as possible. But um, definitely with the body, I tended to focus more on that. And so that led me into, you know, competitive bodybuilding and, you know, physique sculpting and things like that, which can be a, a great lifestyle in a lot of ways. And it, you know, helped me meet a lot of good people and develop a great network and, you know, see some places uh, around the country that I hadn't been to. And it was a lot of fun at the time and um, still something that I sort of do on the side now, but certainly, you know, I've grown in, in a few different ways since then. Um, you know, so I've tried to focus on the other two areas of that being mind and spirit um, since 2015. And so, you know, those are the areas where we probably want to talk about more today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think from a, a, a spiritual context, I know when when we first did, spirituality was really, really important to you. And you were a follower of Jesus back then, and I know you're an avid follower today, but you've done something interesting in the mind perspective. And we'll we'll touch back on body and, and spirit, but from a mind perspective, you know, in following you, I expected the body component to 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 continue on this trajectory like you were on but but now you're having a different conversation with people about about growing their mind and their relationship with money is that a is that a fair assessment or or maybe it's your relationship with money that you're trying to get people to wake up about personal finance and making some serious gains there is that is that a fair assessment absolutely so to my first point on that is i want to encourage people because I think a lot of people um, might be able to relate to the a portion of this story in that I'm a little bit of an outlier, actually out of an, a lot of an outlier in the just ups and downs since 2013 when I graduated high school. 
um, you know, 2013, I graduated first in my class um, and started out right into college like most people do. Um, I only ended up doing one semester in college and dropped out, which doesn't make any sense. You know, you don't go through all the work I did to get in, especially at the top and just only to leave. And then, um, you know, a lot happened in between then, but I guess I started school back up again in 2018. And it wasn't because I really wanted to or needed to. I just felt, um, you know, this expectation of myself that, you know, I kind of felt like a failure to some degree of, you know, how did I, am I not going to go to college? Like now I'm 25 and, you know, I just, just didn't want to not be able to say that that's something that I had accomplished when it always is, it was something that I wanted to accomplish. And so, you know, it didn't fit the time in my life that would have been good. I mean, I was working full time, married, um, really, really busy and couldn't really afford it either. But I think at some point in our lives, everyone has to make a decision to just do it now, even if it doesn't make sense, even if you can't see the why or how, just decide to do it. And so, that's what I did. And in 2018, I went back to just a local community college where I live. Um, you know, at first I took out student loans in 2013, but now I'm just paying for it in cash and, and basically working full time and going to school pretty much full time, you know, anywhere from three to four classes per semester all year round. And so that's been really, really challenging, but I'm so glad that I made that decision um, at this point because I'm almost done my associate right now and then you know we'll see what happens after that but so I think a lot of people can relate to that whether they just started working right out of high school you know or took up a trade which by the way at this point in my life I'm far more um, a proponent of self-education as opposed to formal education that doesn't mean everyone shouldn't go to college um, but you know I think we should be lifelong learners you know um, a lot of people I forget the exact statistic, but it's like most college, it's a high percentage, like in the 70s of people that haven't read a book ever since they graduated college, like completed a full book, which is sad, you know, so I definitely think in, you know, I believe in lifelong learning, they should never stop learning. However, you know, unless you're going to do something very specific, like a doctor, a lawyer, um, an engineer, something very specific that you need a lot of schooling for, um, you know, degrees are just becoming a little bit overrated, depending on what you're going to go and, and use it for. And a lot of people take out a lot of debt and student loans and come out four years later, you know, 50 plus thousand dollars in debt and their salary from their new job doesn't even support that debt. And so, you know, it's definitely something to be considered. Um, but I've taken the route of kind of trying to do both, you know, it, you don't have to see the end to just start. Um, and so I just decided, Hey, I may never use this degree, but it's something that I just wanted to say that I did. Um, you know, and so that's what I'm doing now, but back to my other point of formal education or excuse me, self-education as opposed to formal education. Um, I've learned so much more from books and YouTube than I have, you know, from some of my classes about business and finance. And so a little bit of what led me into personal finance um, and away from, 
bodybuilding was in 2018, um, my wife and I split up and this was the first time in my life that I ever had to pay bills on my own. Um, you know, we both worked, but she was always the one to you know, go online or call and pay the bills. And I think a lot of guys especially can relate to that. And so that was new for me. And, it, you know, I had to transfer all the bills to my name and, and set up all the accounts and everything. And it was a bit overwhelming. So I bought one of those big desk blotters, uh, calendars, and I wrote down every bill and when it was due and kind of ran the numbers and was like, wow, I took what I took, you know, home. And then I add all the bills and was like almost nothing left at the end. And I said, this is not going to work. And there's got to be something, you know, to where I can widen that gap of how much I'm bringing and how much is going out. And so I started learning and researching how do I, you know, have my money work for me. And, you know, that, you know, that leads to investing, you know, you've got to have your money making money while you sleep, or you're going to work until the day you die, which is a popular Warren Buffett um, quote. And so I was like, wow, that's, that's a really great point. You know, I'm never going to make enough money just from a salary to be able to retire comfortably unless I'm willing to work until old, you know, until I'm old. And so some of the statistics are just scary of, of Americans and, you know, almost 80% of people live paycheck to paycheck. You know, 80% of people don't have $400 in cash in their bank account to pay for, you know, an unexpected expense. And so those things were very scary for me. And I just promised myself that I wouldn't allow, you know, myself and my future family to be put in that position. Um, so I really started just hardcore self-education. It started with Dave Ramsey, which I know a lot of people can relate to, um, you know, because I wanted to bring in. I said, if there's anyone that can teach me about money, it's got to be someone from a biblical perspective who I know is not going to pull the wool over my eyes and try to just sell me something. And so that led me to Dave Ramsey and it's progressed um, far more since then. Um, but for me, it's really not about money. It's about the freedom, um, you know, which, which money can provide. I mean, let's be honest, you know, all of those feel good quotes about money can't buy happiness. No, it can buy vacations and it can buy, you know, freedom from your job and it can buy, you know, I just think a lot of people relate to, you know, missing out on their kids events and missing out on spending time with their family and missing out on, you know, huge moments of their life just because I got called in or have to go to work or this and that. And I just didn't want that for myself. And so I started really self-educating and that's led me to um, just dive full force into personal finance. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there, Dallas. You said a lot of fantastic stuff. I want to go, I want to go back to something you, you said that um, and I'm going to paraphrase because I'm going to screw it up. I was trying to write too fast, but you, you were referring to or alluding to the fact that you don't need to know that the end product, you just need to move. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people, um, particularly middle-aged men in particular, reach a point in their life where they realize the what and the how only got them so far. They totally never found a why that they were doing any of it. So they reach midlife and they think, uh, I need to have a transformation. I need a new wife. I need 
a new car, I need a new job, the midlife crisis kind of conversation that happens with men sometimes. Help me where, where you are having been through tragedy and obstacles. Did why ever come up as, as a priority for you or was it just a compulsion that I need to move, period. I'll worry about why later. I'm just curious. Um, it's kind of both. I mean, the why is extremely important for motivation and for continuing. Um, one of my favorite guys I follow on every social media platform is Eric Thomas, Dr. Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher, yeah. EP, as he calls himself. And just, he speaks about the why so well. And just, if you're thinking about yourself, your why is never gonna fulfill you know your, what you need but if you're thinking about your family or what really really drives you and whatever that is um you know that is what you're gonna have to draw from when motivation gets low and so you know i didn't have a why when i when i started school again um other than just knowing this is really important to me um and part of it you know i think we it, part of it has to be an ego thing i didn't want to feel like a failure i mean what valedictorian drops out of school it just rarely happens and so part of it was that just I need to feel like I you know accomplished something in that area um, but why is definitely important in your vision and for me why my why changed because of the tragedy that I went through of just my my personal life just crumbling it became important to me I said I'm never gonna let this happen again um, money is never gonna be an issue you know, I'm going to prioritize saving, investing, you know, getting on a budget, not living above my means, not, you know, trying to, um, one of my favorite quotes, I don't know who it's by, but it goes, I'll probably butcher it, but something like people buy things that they can't afford with money that they don't have to impress people they don't even know. And that's so true. I mean, we put things on credit cards or we take out debt to buy things that we can't afford, you know. Dave Ramsey says, just because you can make the payments does not mean you can afford it, um, you know, and to impress people that we don't even know. And it's true. We just want a nice car so that when we drive by, people that we don't know can look at us and we can feel good about ourselves. You know, I definitely love nice things, you know, but you have to put it into perspective of what's your reality as far as your finances. Um, and if you work really, really hard and to make that a reality, then by all means, um, but for me, my why now has just changed from myself and building myself up to, you know, I'm never gonna let my you know, personal life fall apart again in my relationships with my future family and just to create a stable you know, house um, and income for that to happen is just so important to me now. So the why is definitely important. Yeah, well, that, that's an interesting and fascinating transformation all itself. And I think you said it just Beautifully, you wrap that one up in a bow for me right there. That's, that's going to be a, a key insight here in that when you went to the bottom um, through, through tragedy and turmoil, the light that you, you saw was not about you. It was about your future family. You've said that word probably four times or those words four times. And what a beautiful why that is. I think that is the truth that you are seeking always has to be outside of us. It, I don't, I don't think we humans carry truth. We seek it and it's, it's outside of us. So I think that was a, a beautiful way for you to wrap why up as future family. And that's, that's the driver or the compass point that keeps you 
you move in and that's your, your yardstick or your metric of measurement to see how you're doing. So, wow, that, that was awesome. So from a personal finance perspective, you're learning, you're, you're engaged in academic curriculum, talking about it. You are searching YouTube. Um, we've never had access to this wealth of information that we have just to click away. What are you finding are the key areas people are screwing up for lack of a better term with their personal finance? You've mentioned some immediate gratification is probably the biggest one to, that we just get what we want now and we'll pay for it later. What else are you seeing out there? I mean, first of all, people are not on a budget. Um, and I'll contradict myself at the end because I don't follow a budget. You, you know, you should, you need to track your expenses to some degree, but budgeting, people just don't do it. It just doesn't work. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. But number one, you know, people are taking out just an insane amount of debt. And it starts with, I don't fault everybody because I did it because that's what society tells you to do. If you can't afford school, you just get a student loan. You'll worry about it later. And, you know, we have that mentality. So people are taking out far too much debt. Um, and then it just becomes the keeping up with the Joneses mentality. You know, I have to have a nice car right away. I need a nice house right away. You know, I need the best clothes. You know, every, I need every subscription service and Netflix and, you know, Amazon Prime and just everything. It's just this consumer lifestyle. And so, you know, that's number one. And that's the reason why nobody does. Number two is no one saves money consistently on an automatic an automatic transfer from your account every single week or every two weeks into a savings and investing account. No one does that. And, and, and so you're never going to get anywhere unless you want to keep working until you die if you're not saving and you're not investing. Um, and, and really, like I said, it's not, it's not taught in school. I mean, you learn nothing about personal finance in high school, nothing about taxes, nothing about how to write a really good resume or, you know, insurance, life insurance, um, 401ks, IRAs, real estate. You don't learn about these things in high school. You know, so kids come out a little bit naive, just like I did. And so in 2018, I guess, I've really started taking it seriously and learning about how money works. And it, it's just contradicting to everything I've ever learned. Um, you know, people, you really should get um, a mentor. Not that you even have to pay for a mentor or a fake guru or anything like that. There's so much free information on all the different social media platforms. Um, but society just tells you to, you know, get a, go to school. First of all, go to college, work hard, you know, get out, get a good job, put into your 401k, put into your IRA, work for 40 years, 45 years. And hopefully by the time you're 65 or 70, you have enough of a nest egg to live out your last golden years and not have to work. Well, the reality is, is no one does that. And number two, to me, it's not a great game plan. I don't want to work for someone else, building someone else's business, someone else's dream for 45 years, you know, um, only to have a few years left to myself. And so I started researching, how can I do this and started learning about investing. And, you know, so now um, real estate has really stuck its head out at me on, you know, just the number one way to develop, um, you know, substantial wealth. And, 
you know, you just hear all of the things that just horrible advice for most people. Um, you know, you're just supposed to pay off your house and put into your 401k and do these things. And those are, that's great advice for 99% of people um, because it will just bring security and stability. And I, I always, you know, put that caveat in there. You know, you have to define your goal first and be realistic about it. If you want, and I'm on both sides, listen, I'm always have had the mentality. If, if anyone can do it, if it has to be done, why not me? You know, I think even just as a few years ago, we think so small. My childhood dream used to be, you know, cause my dad always hated talking about money, never had a lot. And I was in a split family, you know, we were fine, but money was a topic sometimes. And I said, man, if I can just make a hundred thousand dollars a year, when I'm like 50 or 60, I'll have made it. That'd be it. <laughs> that was my dream. If I can just retire at some point, I'm making $100,000, which is a great dream, by the way. Um, you know, most people don't make that type of income. But when I really started looking into it and how far that type of salary goes, um, it's not far. And what happens if you lose that salary? You're in, you know, real trouble. And, you know, so I started learning about, you know, uh, passive income and how do I make money even if I don't get out of bed and that's a great thought for a lot of people um, you know but you have to get outside of society's game plan because that's not going to lead you to the promised land and so you know a lot of things that I uh, recommend and teach or people hear it and they just are are baffled like who would ever tell you never pay off your house you know I mean it just doesn't make sense um, to not to, to think contrary to that, but if you really want to build substantial, incredible wealth and an incredible life for you and your family, you have to go against what everyone tells you to do because most people get their money advice from people who don't know about money or don't have any. You know, most of the time we learn about money from our parents and we already know that most of our parents are broke. Um, and so you have to learn someone that is where you want to be. <laughs> I mean, that's just that is just the facts. You have to learn from people that are at or have achieved what you want to achieve. And so, you know, you, you have to go outside your circle and find a mentor and someone who really, really knows what they're talking about. Um, otherwise, you can still live a great lifestyle. But for me, um, freedom is the biggest thing and not being tied down to a nine to five if I don't want to. A lot of people love um, going to work. I love going to work. Um, but at some point, I would love to have that freedom of, hey, let's take the family and go to Hawaii. Why not? Um, and do what we want and be at every soccer game and be at every dance recital. And, you know, there's a lot of life that's missed because of work. I mean, if we sleep for eight hours and we work for eight hours, you know, we've done a lot of our life, you know, not spending time with our family. And so... And most people work more than eight hours, by the way. So, you know, it can really be detrimental to your family life. Yeah. Uh, okay. So there you go. You poured out a ton of stuff that I've got, I've got to now <laughs> sort through again, Dallas. All right. So why do you think there are more opportunities in regular work getting a paycheck than the entrepreneurial spirit of freedom. So that's question number one. Why, why isn't everybody then on the passive income bandwagon since freedom is so attractive? 
That's, mm -hmm. that's question number one. And question number two just escaped me, but it was going to be a real zinger, uh, Dallas. Well, think about it while I answer the first one. Dang it. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Everybody's not on the passive income train because number one, it requires a little bit of work, just a little bit. And number two, the, the nine to five job is so stable. Or we thought, but as 2020 has now shown us, your job is not as stable as you thought it was. Look how many people are not in work right now. You know, it's pretty much just, it's, it's relaxed a little bit right now, but for a while it was essential workers, you know, law enforcement, medical, you know, politicians, you know, frontline people are some of the only people that had jobs. And so a lot of people got really screwed up, you know, in the past few months, because if we know that 80% almost of Americans are paycheck to paycheck, and if you didn't get a paycheck for two months, you're going to be in a world of hurt. Um, but everyone has been um, in that mentality of just they like knowing, okay, two weeks from now, I'm going to be made, this much will come into my bank account. And two weeks later, this much will come into my bank account. Um, but again, it's just thinking so small because most of the time they're not saving most of that money anyway. And number two, what happens if you lose that? You know, and, and so that's why everyone's not on the passive um, you know, entrepreneurial spirit, and it's risky. Let's be honest. I mean, I believe that's part of the definition of an entrepreneur. Part of their part of that definition, uh, risk is in there. I believe. Um, you know, so it goes back to your goals. And like I said, um, the nine to five. You know, a lot of people do love it, but it takes up a lot of time. And so, you know, weigh your pros and cons. Um, if you would like to do that, society's game plan of work until sixty-five. Um, which is not a bad game plan, but it turns out that most people don't end up, listen, pensions are gone for most people. The 401k was meant to supplement the pension, not replace it. Um, and so, but pensions are pretty much gone unless you're in law enforcement, medical, or something like that for your entire career, 25, 30 years, um, you're not going to get a pension. And even if you do, um, you know, how much does three or 4,000 a month, how far does that go? you know, in retirement, when that's when you want to be living, going on vacations and, and splurging a little bit. And so, you know, most people unfortunately don't realize it until it's way too late. Um, they don't get those great effects of compound interest of starting when you're young. Um, and so they try to play catch up, which most of the time is just way too late. So you, you answered my second question. I think with what we have had happen to us recently, it's a wake up call, I think, for people to disrupt their comfort zone. And of course, disrupting comfort zone means something to me. That's, that's, that's my whole mantra is, is that when you are moving from, from the comfort zone into growth, you pass that terror barrier of, I must be doing something wrong. This is uncomfortable. I'm bumping my head up against uh, a disruption of comfort. And I don't like it. I need to resort back to what I know and what is easy easy and comfortable, and that's a paycheck. I, I follow one of my mentors other than John Maxwell is Seth Godin, and Seth Godin talks about bootstrapping a lot because he, he draws a delineation between um, entrepreneurs, like true entrepreneurs, um, uh, Tony Robbins, those kind of Dean Graziosi, those guys who just killing it, visionaries out there, and then there are those of us who have a 
a real job taking care of a, a family and we're trying to build something on the side in hopes that one day it takes off. It, would you say you're a bootstrapping uh, visionary or do you just want to go all in with full risk? Because I think that's where the risk changes for people that allows them to realize, oh wait, maybe I could bootstrap something. Maybe that's a possibility. Um, I'm definitely in between a little bit, but I'm definitely more heavy towards the bootstrap just because we're here for so short of a time. And so, you know, just the mediocrity, I just would hate to settle. I don't feel comfortable in that area. And it's really hard to be honest. I mean, you know, it's just really hard. Um, mediocrity is not a word I would ever apply to you, Dallas. I mean, just from knowing you over the past seven years, that that's that's a wrong adjective. So yeah, that, I, mean, I think that's unique. Though. That's unique, though. I, I think you you refuse to accept average, where I think a lot of people are comfortable in it. Yeah, and our, and, and because most people don't have mentors, and so you know. And by the way, I preach both. I say, hey, if this is where you want to go and this is how you want to accomplish, this is my advice on how you should do it. Um, Tony Robbins tells a great story in his book called, um, I think it's just called Money. Uh, it's really long. It's a hard read, by the way. Um, <laughs> Money, Master the Game. That's what it's called. Money, Master the Game by Tony Robbins. Um, it's a good read. But one of the stories he tells is of a UPS worker. I can't remember the name who never made more than, I want to say $14,000 his whole career. And one day he had a um, friend come and say, hey, you need to start putting away into a you know, 401k or a retirement account. He's like, dude, I make 14 grand. What are you talking about? And he said, you have to shift your mentality to a point of, if the government came to you today and said, hey, we're going to take 20% more of your, your paycheck, you would cry and moan and complain, but you'd get over it. <laughs> and so that was what he instilled into him. And so that day forward as a young person, he took 20% of his paycheck every two weeks and put that into a retirement account. And he never touched it. And he retired worth, I want to say it was uh, 90 million, either 70 or 90 million. Um, granted, he's very, very old at that net worth. But it just shows you, you know, never making more than 14 grand. And so, you know, if you want more of an easy route, yeah, I recommend your retirement accounts, all of those things. I actually recommend both, but most people have limited income. Um, whether you um, are young and don't have a high salary, um, or you just have a lot of financial obligations, kids, cars, houses, vacations, it's really expensive. And so either way, most people need to, you know, you always hear about diversify, diversify, diversify. Well, if you spread yourself so thin in a ton of different areas, you're not going to put enough traction in any one area for them to all do something, for any one of them to do something. And so just all of those areas slowly grow, but never really take off. Um, and so I recommend for most people just either jumping all in into that entrepreneurial type of spirit. And, and, and for me, the number one way to, to grow your money is through um, real estate. But you know, the other way would definitely be stocks, bonds, you know, stock market. Um, and then once you've kind of, you know, you're where you want to be, then you diversify for, for protection. Um, but to just put in a little bit into all the baskets is what you hear a lot. Um, don't put all your eggs in one basket. But the rich people didn't get rich, you know, that way. They got, you know, I can't remember who said it, but they said, put all your eggs in one basket and watch it really closely. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think you know, that's wise. And then yeah. once you're kind of stable in where you want to be, then you're more of in a protection mode. But you've got to be in a growth mode for a long period of time. Because um, if you're just so conservative for a long period of time, you just never can really take off. And so I'm, I'm definitely more conservative um, naturally, but I've been able to kind of get out of that comfort zone um, over the past few years as I've developed and learned about the best ways to really grow your wealth and your personal, you know, your finances and, and, and protect your wealth as well. Interesting. So look, Dallas, you have, you have come from a, a, a bodybuilding background. You've been a follower of Christ for so long. And, and, and then there's this third bucket. I guess my curiosity is, are there, are there principles that you found in bodybuilding and growth there? and spirituality and growth? Are there principles that supported those that you're going to borrow from to build this? You, you've mentioned consistency. And of course, we know what consistency in the gym can do. I'm looking for other principles to pull from those two domains of your life where you're, you've really spent a lot of time creating growth. Which ones are you going to pull from to build the bootstrap? Um, wow. Um, consistency, definitely one that can, you know, help in all areas of your life. Um, you know, because, you know, if you work out every day, you'll see great results. If you work out once a week, you won't see great results. And, you know, it'll take longer. <laughs> it'll take a lot longer. And so, and with the spirituality, I mean, it's been with me the whole time. Um, but I definitely have been through a dark patch and that was kind of what I had to draw from to help get me out of it um you know i just think it's such a lonely perspective to just have no one else to you know help you you know because your family will desert you your friends will desert you you get stabbed in the back i've been through all of that you know but the one constant has been god for me you know and just he's always there you know he speaks softly but you have to really listen and so you know that, you know, I've taken aspects from both of those. As far as which ones I would put in a personal finance, I mean, I remember when I first started bodybuilding, that was just a big of a risk. I said, you know what, I'm going to be a pro bodybuilder. That's what I want to do. It's, it's fun. You know, you get lots of accolades and attention and glory. And that was just as risky because, you know, when I went to major, I majored originally in exercise science right out of high school and totally switched that you know now to personal you know to finance where i'm at now in school and so the risk has always been there i've never been afraid to take risks i mean you just have to i mean mark zuckerberg dropped out of college right to start facebook i mean most of the people that really really made it took some big risks at some point um and, and probably at, at, you know, against the advice of their family and their friends, and this is stupid, and what are you doing, and, and things like that. But I mean, that was really risky now. So I think, you know, that part of bodybuilding definitely prepared me a little bit for, okay, what's the next risk I'm going to take? Mm -hmm. And you shouldn't just go, you know, living life just risk to risk. At some point, you have to, you know, um, protect things. But um, it's definitely helped prepare me to just go all in. I've always been all in in everything that I do. Um, sometimes it's not a good thing and sometimes it's a great thing. Um, but in less than, I would say in six months, I learned so much about, about personal finance, how money works and everything just from YouTube and books 
um, you know, then I would, then I've gotten in two years out of college and that's not a lie, <laughs> you know, so just find the right mentors and, and just really dig in. You know, I try to read at least a book a month um, aside from, and that's not like a crazy goal, you know, um, most of the gurus and, and guys really up there, Dean Graziano, like you said, probably a book a week at, mm-hmm. at the least, at the least. That's freedom um, when you can read a book. <laughs> <laughs> at the least. But um, there's just so many advantages. But, um, you know, back to your previous point, when I just, you know, to the bootstrapping, like, if you want just a ridiculous type of, of freedom, you know, you don't get that by just being conservative. You just don't, um, you know. And so for me, it's not about money. It's about freedom. But to get the freedom that I'm looking for, and the family and the lifestyle. And I just never want to have to like, not fill my gas tank up all the way, you know, like little stuff. Like when I first started learning about money, it was like, you know, you might pull some change out of your car or some ones out of your wallet to put gas in until you get to the next paycheck, you know? So just to have that freedom of like, let's not, let's go to dinner and Hey, not look at the prices on the side of the menu like what do you want to eat <laughs> yeah you know that's to me that's freedom it's not the car it's not the house you know those are just side things you know that are, are benefits but you know to be it's able a lot, to choose yeah a lot of people just want to get their kid a, a car when they're 17 or 18 you know just a beater or something like that and and so to provide that type of life for my family not to spoil them or you know, spoil myself or just, you know, want to be in all of my own glory. You know, it's God's glory and also giving, you know, by the way, I can't believe I forgot that. I mean, over the past, it's definitely been at least a year now. Yeah. From 2019 to 2020, I made the decision to completely tithe a hundred percent, 10% out of all income, right from the check, 10% gone before I even looked at any bills or anything. And that's a lot of money, you know, and, and that's a hard thing. And when I looked back at it over the year, I was so proud. And, you know, I can only imagine, hopefully that that blessed, you know, so many people, but, you know, it really, it does come back. I'm not going to lie. It comes back in a lot of the different, I, I think we have the tendency to just want that immediate return, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, if I get a hundred, if I tie the hundred dollars, you know, magically $300 is going to come to me the next week. <laughs> in reality, we get blessed in so many different ways, but certainly they have been financially as well um, for me. And so, you know, that might be more opportunities to work harder as crazy as that sounds. I mean, whether that's like, you know, where I work, that might be overtime opportunities coming so that I can work even more hours. And, and that is a financial gain in that aspect. Um, so, you know, I don't look at it in the way of just, you know, more money magically showed up in my mailbox because I was giving 10%. But, you know, having more money doesn't change you as a person. It just magnifies what you already are. And so. Oh, wow. It's a reflection. Absolutely. If you are a natural, loving, giving person and you don't have good finances, first of all, Everybody thinks, I hear this all the time, if I could just make a little bit more money, that would change everything. No, you're going to just waste even more money. You don't, you know, you don't, if you, if you make 50 grand a year 
and all of a sudden you get a hundred thousand dollar salary the next year, you're probably going to buy a new car and a bigger house because you're not good with money. Um, you know, so more money is probably not what most people need. They need to learn how to manage what they have. And that's even very biblical as well. God's not going to give you more on your plate when you can't handle what's currently on your plate. Um, as far as finances and that's even in, in the Bible, financial, um, financially speaking. And, you know, and so with the giving, um, if you're a naturally giving person and, and, and you find a way to increase your income passively or actively, you're just going to end up giving more, even more and blessing more people. And if you're a real jerk, having more money is just going to make you a bigger jerk. And, and, you know, so for me, it's become, uh, that's a top priority. And I still carried it through 2020 and it's really hard. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's hard. And, but you know, if you just take it off the top, it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. Wow. So that was seven principles, man. You pulled from each of those buckets, seven principles, consistency creates gains, um, finding a mentor. So critically important. No, you know, um, from my Olympic experience, I never met an Olympic athlete that made it to the Olympic platform, gold medal platform by themselves. Everybody had a coach or a mentor. So that's, that's critical. Higher power. You've got to have, you, you've got to surrender to something higher than yourself. Call it whatever you want, whatever higher power you want. Uh, point your finger up. Risk. People are so risk averse. You will not take the action necessary to make gains if you do not take risk. Uh, be a lifelong learner. Tithe, service, again, that kind of speaks to something greater than yourself. And it's hard. So it's a challenge um, uh, to do. And then number seven, learn how to manage what you already have. And that's, that's really self-assessment. No, I'm sorry, self-awareness through assessment. I think most of us, if we were thinking of going into the, into the real estate business, we would, we would pause or hesitate to take action because, wow, there's so much I have to do to get ready yeah. to go into real estate. What, if you flip the narrative a little bit and go, well, what strengths do I have right now that would allow me to step forward versus my weaknesses that hold me back? Um, I think you, you'd take action a lot quicker and, and, and the gains would come quicker. So, man, you just poured seven principles out there of transformation. Um, I'll give you one quick example, yeah. too, because to me, real estate was investing in general is very overwhelming for most people. Yeah. Um, that's why most people just end up, hey, let, let me transfer money every two weeks automatically into a 401k because it's easy. I'll give you an example of how one investment property can change your entire life. I recently bought a house for $275,000. It's four apartments. It's one building. It's four little apartments in each one. So think about this as opposed to your 401k. I recently spoke to someone in my circle who woke up after some of the financial crisis in the past month, $300,000 poorer hmm. from, their, from their 401k from the night before. So stocks can drop just that fast because in the stock market, you're depending upon people who are not educated in finance to um, drive your account because stock market is based upon fear 
Um, and so if everyone thinks the sky is falling, they're all going to sell. They're going to sell everything they have in the stock market. That's going to bring down the value of the companies that you're invested in. And so that in turn is going to make your shares in that company less valuable. So when you see the big sell-offs, your account is going to lose a lot of money if you're not invested the right ways. And so, you know, if you're just, if your one source of retirement income is this nest egg that you ride up and down um, the volatility waves all the way until you hope for it to be there in retirement, that's a greater risk. You want to talk about risk? To me, that's the risk. But I'll give you an, an example how just one property can change your whole life. So if I were to take this one property that I bought at 25 and got a 30-year loan on it, that means by the time I'm 55, which is earlier than most people can ever afford to retire, that means the loan will be paid off by then. All along the way, my mortgage is less than all of the rental income from those four units. So I make a little bit of cash every single month without going to work, without doing anything, um, which is number one benefit, cash flow every month. Number two, the property, if it's in a good area, is going to increase in value over time, just like stocks would, but you don't have to do anything for it. If it's in a good neighborhood, a good area, the value is going to appreciate most years. That's a number, that's a, a second increase to your net worth automatically without you doing anything. If you buy a property for $100,000, which is really cheap, and the market increases in your area by 10%, your net worth just went up by $10,000 and you didn't do a darn thing, which is probably a quarter or so of most, most people's salary. Number three are the amazing tax benefits and write-offs of owning real estate. Um, so you'll probably owe far less in taxes at the end of the year or get a, a bigger return. That's another increase to your net worth on your tax return. And then number four is um, the principal pay down. So every time you make a mortgage payment, the principal on that mortgage is going down and down and down. But you're not paying it. Your tenants who you're providing a place to live for are now paying the mortgage for you. By the way, it makes you an instant business owner um, because you're providing a service, which also can be a lot of tax write-offs, even inside a home office, your cell phone, your car, and many other benefits. So if I failed at every financial aspect of my life until from now until I'm 55, never invested another dime, and never put anything into the stock market, in 30 years, that property will be paid off. And instead of me making a couple hundred dollars a month on it, I'll make the entire rental payments of all four tenants. Um, rents in good areas tend to slowly increase over time. So if they're paying $1,000 each right now, that's $4,000 a month. And my mortgage is $1,800. That's $2,200 difference that I get to keep every month. That's not straight cash flow because you have to account for maintenance and repairs, property management, all of those things. But even if it's a couple hundred dollars a month, that's a win. However, when I'm 55 years old, the house will be paid off. All of those rental incomes will be straight cash flow. Um, the rents will have increased substantially, probably to 12 to 1500 by then. So that's between conservatively 4500 to $6,000 a month from one property that will be paid off. So there's zero risk and because there's zero mortgage um, payment and $4,500 to $6,000 in my pocket every single month um, that gets paid from those tenants. That's a pension. That's, you just created your own pension. 
they're not making any more land and real estate is not going away anytime soon. And so to me, the biggest risk would be to never own anything besides your personal home. Never, you know, and if that's not for you, fine, put into a retirement account. But if you really want to level up your wealth and create your own pension plan, that's only through one property. Imagine if you did that five times or 10 times, you know, you could potentially create $50,000 a month residual passive income when you get into your old age. And so you'll never have to live off the government. You'll never have to live off your children. You'll never want for anything at that point. That's delayed gratification. And you can live pretty good along the way. And so once I, once someone broke it down like that for me, I was sold. No more. You know, that, that, that begun the self-education portion. You know, at this point, I'm just, you know, all in on real estate and investing, period. Um, any way you can do it, I would encourage you to. Um, you know, but just saving in, in a, in a, you know, a uh, Wells Fargo savings account, which pays 0.01%. Um, I'll give you an example. There's, I have an account that's, let's say there's $20,000 in there. And the dividend was 85 cents per month from Bank of America. <laughs> and so, and, you know, I'm just a super saver, by the way, that's not a lot of money. Um, it is a lot of money, but yeah, I'm single and I also live in one of those units of the homes. And so I have no car payment. I drive a 2007 paid off Honda Civic and I live in one of those three rental units. So my mortgage is completely covered. I have no mortgage, no car payment, no self. Uh, my cell phone is $50 and that's pretty much it. And so I can save almost everything I make at this point. But my point is that if you have 20 grand in the bank, which most people don't, most people, as I said earlier, 80% of people don't have $400 in the bank. And the dividend on 20 grand is 85 cents a month. That's not even $10 a year, just about. And so that's what most people do though. They put their money in a savings account and with whatever bank that they bank with and that they hope that they put aside enough money by the time they're old that they can live off that money. And it's just a failed game plan. I encourage people to do your research um, because it's just not going to work. Just run the numbers. I mean, just try it at $500 a month saving, which is a lot, a lot of money. Most people are not putting away $500 a month into a savings account, but even run those numbers. That's 6,000 a year. If you put away 6,000 a year for the next 40 years, that's only 240 grand, which sounds like a ton of money. We can't even relate to them that much money. Like that's a quarter of a million dollars almost. Imagine having a quarter of a million dollars in an account, but okay, you're 65. Let's say the average life expectancy right now for white males, which both of us are, is 78. So I have 13 years to live off $240,000. If I'm accustomed to making $100,000 a year, which hopefully you are at, that, at 65 years old, um, you can live for one, two, and not even a half years, two and a half years off that money. <laughs> so yeah, the math you know, fails immediately. You know, granted it's all cash, you know, there's no tax, but you know, so maybe four or five years, but that's the reality and people don't run the numbers. And so if you just ran the numbers like I did and see that's not a fit, that's gonna not be a good game plan. That means you need to create a way to make income every month without you working for it. So you have to invest. 
whether that's into dividend accounts, into your stock account, or in real estate or in business. Incredible. Wow. So, so clearly mentorship helped put you on this, this track of, of performance, knowledge, education, and action. If people wanted to follow you to learn from, from the actions that you're taking now, how are people going to follow you, Dallas? Um, Facebook and Instagram, it's both Dallas Matthew for both of those. And one point on the mentorship program. Not that I have one, but I always respond to people's messages and all of those things when they ask me for help. Actually, just two days ago, um, a 17-year-old uh, heading into his senior year of high school contacted me from Instagram and had some questions and about real estate. And I spoke to him two days later for an hour and a half on the phone um, on video. And so, you know, just find people that will help you. I've never paid for a mentorship. Not that I'm opposed to it, however. Not that I'm opposed to it. Because um, I know multi-multi-millionaires that have paid $100,000 to go to a weekend with Tony Robbins. And why would you need a mentor if you're already a multi-millionaire? Because you're constantly leveling up. Um, and you, I took that even back to bodybuilding. I mean, the, the top bodybuilders in the world still have coaches, contest prep coaches and trainers. Why would you need a trainer? If you're the number one bodybuilder in the world because we all need help and we can't evaluate our own um, life as good as someone else can look into it and help us evaluate it. And so I'm definitely, you know, you have to find a mentor. I've never paid for a mentorship and I've learned everything that I've learned uh, online, YouTube and books. And so the information is out there. Do not get discouraged. Um, people are willing to help you. Um, but also show your value to people, you know, don't just be, uh, you know, just asking people for help and just taking a lot of their time, um, show your value to them as well. And, you know, how can you add value to, to what they're doing? And so you definitely need a mentor um, to help because most of society has no idea. Your teacher, your accounting teacher probably is not rich, you know, uh, if we're just talking about finances. You know, your parents probably are not rich. So you have to go to people that have done well for themselves from a financial standpoint, if that's your goal to create a lifestyle of freedom for you. Awesome. Dallas, thank you for your time today. I've kept you well over what I said I would. So thank you for, for, for pouring into uh, this audience, the followers, we, we had some people on the call. So Nick, thank you for being here. For those of you watching on YouTube, if you have questions, uh, please leave a comment below on the YouTube feed and I will also include Dallas's contact information so that you, you can at least begin this process. Yeah. I just want to say one final thing. A lot of people, when they hear me talk or hear others talk about finances, they think it's just about money. It's not about money. Okay. They think it's just entitled. Like, why does he think he knows everything? I don't know everything. I still work more than a nine to five job. Okay. I work in law enforcement you know, which is under attack right now. And, and so, you know, there's just, I'm still living the lifestyle I want to get out of. I'm not putting shame upon people that still have to do that type of thing. I still do it, but we should all, in my opinion, um, and if it's not your opinion, that's great. We don't have to see I, I, I don't, every single thing, um, but it's, it's about freedom, okay? It's about, you know, being able to live the life that you dreamed of and it's possible. You know, we just sent people to the outer space again. 
like, you know, anything is possible and somebody's got to do it. So why not you, you know, back to what I was talking about earlier, really quickly, you know, my dream was to make a hundred grand a year. There are billionaires out there. Look at Mark Cuban. Like Mark Cuban is worth more than all the other sharks combined on Shark Tank. <laughs> and so someone's got to do that, somebody. So why not you? Why not me? Why not? You know, we just think so small. I'm just, we're all just a small town kid from nowhere. You know, um, very few people were born with a silver spoon in their mouth and just, you know, baby their entire life and given, you know, their wealth. It, it's really, really hard, but it is possible. It's not all about money. It's about freedom and giving you your life and your time back. And so that's, you know, really what I wanted to wrap up with. I'm not entitled, you know, I'm as unentitled as it gets. I really love helping people. And most people in the industry do. Um, but just sometimes it gets a bad reputation of just all he cares about is money. Life's not all about money. I know that. You know, I just wanted to add that. Yeah, clearly, Dallas, you wouldn't be on this show talking to these people if it was all about money. You, your higher value contribution uh, surpasses the value of money. Your influence matters. Your wisdom, your insights um, uh, across body, mind, and spirit are held up by those principles that I was looking for. And that can't be all about money. So, man, thank you for the grace uh, and the gift of, of time in helping this tribe step forward, not in fear, but in, in, in hope and promise for a better tomorrow and freedom. Mad respect, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We'll do it again sometime. Well, I would, I would love to, because there's going to be part two of this story, which is when you, you move from, from, from where you're living now with your tenants to your, your multi-apartment complex and, you know, your weekend seminar, we, we all want advanced tickets on, on how you did it. So <laughs> you got uh, Thanks my friend. Look forward to talking to you soon. Yes, sir. Peace out. Be safe out there. Hello there, my friend. Thank you so much for listening to this most recent episode of the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast. I do have a favor, though. On whatever podcast platform you are listening to this episode, would you consider writing us a five-star review? Uh, and the reason I'm asking is the more reviews that we get, the higher our rankings go and the more likely people are to see our podcast show show up in their search criteria. So I'd appreciate some, some positive reviews out there if, if you gained value from this episode. Also, if you wanted to see the video of this, this particular podcast episode, head over to the website, aestheticsofleadership.com. There you'll see all our episodes listed out in video format. And you can also see the transcription of those episodes as well. Every podcast episode is searchable by any keyword. So there on the website, you could search for any particular word that you remember from the episode and boom, you will have immediate access to that particular part of, of that episode and, and any other where that keyword shows up. So just a, an added opportunity for you to dig deep into this material and refer back to it as you need. I hope you come back again. I hope you spread these episodes and share them with others. I greatly appreciate your help as we walk together in growing a community of extraordinary people in a growth 
cycle of peak performance. So let's go, let's appreciate these, these principles concerned with the nature and appreciation of transformations. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.